This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. That should be okay. That should be okay. That should be okay now. I, I think we should start again. I, I almost think we should start again. I, that intro is going to be awful. I'm going to have to edit that out. Shall we? Shall we start again? I feel like I feel like we'll start again. I could already see it was a problem with the microphone. It was nothing to do with our old problems we used to have. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play the intro again, and we're going to pretend that that never happened. <laughs> that's that's what we're going to do. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our phone-in show. Um, I can't start as if I'd not done that. I'm going to edit out that first chunk of the show. So um, apologies for the audio issues. I looked down, a microphone was just three red dots, which clearly meant there was something wrong uh, with the microphone. So that's good uh, that we've sorted that out. So thank you so much, everyone that's tuned in. Really appreciate uh, everybody doing so. As I've mentioned, this is a phone-in show. We're going to be talking about all things Arsenal and we're going to be talking about 
uh, Ivan Tony in today's show with Arsenal specifically being linked to a lot of strikers. We are going to be discussing the Brentford forward that has been linked with the club. There's been suggestions over the last week about the potential types of deals that we might see. We're going to address that and some more. But mainly, this, of course, is a bit of a show in which you guys can jump on and tell me how you're feeling about him as a forward to be linked with. Now, I do kind of want to hear from people that do disagree with me, but I do still want to, you know, get a broad range of, of opinions in the show. And I think the best way to do that is to kind of set out the stall from my side of things, first of all, so you can then come into the conversation as best prepared as you can. I also did an article which does a lot to kind of explain the wider context of, of what I think and why I think what I do regarding Ivan Tony and the situation with Arsenal centre-forwards and why I think that if we're going to upgrade... For me, Ivan Tony's not the one that I'd personally go for. Um, the article, I think, has been misconstrued by a lot of people, for starters. He think that it was a whole thing about trying to say why we should be keeping Eddie because he's apparently better than Tony. No, that was not what the article was designed to do. And that is, if you read through the entire thing, you'll be able to see the reasons behind that. I'll leave a link to that down below. Of course, it is on my Twitter as well, at Tom Cantor Media, which you can see down just below me there. So uh, we're going to have people on. If you would like to get involved with today's phone-in show, there are, of course, some rules um, that we need to follow when it comes to the phone-in. Uh, the first rule is, of course, you need to be over the age of 18. Uh, to get involved. The second rule is that you need to have a webcam. You need to be on camera if you would like to come onto the show because it's the only way I can really check to the best of my ability if you are indeed over that over 18s bracket. Um, so what happens is when you jump into the stream yard, you come up along the bottom of the screen and I can see people that aren't yet in the show so I know whether or not they have their camera on. There is also a little private chat in StreamYard which lets you to leave notifications and messages to know, let me know when you're here. Uh, so please do do that. The link to join is in today's video description. If I ask you to sign in, you're going to need to have a Google account to do that. So just sign in via Google and uh, uh, or whatever else you need to log in with and uh, and you'll be able to join us. I think the best way to, though, because I can see a couple of people below now who don't have cameras on. If you want to get on the show, you need to turn your camera on. Otherwise, you won't get in. It's as simple as that. I think the best way to start is probably to start speaking about that article that I did write. You can find it on the football.london websites. Let's just share my screen so it's easier to to see okay so here we go as i said we're not going to go through the whole thing because you can read it um as i say online so looking down um for me the stats are the key thing the stats are the key thing as to why i think what i think regarding um tony so i'll run through a couple of them now and then we'll get our first caller in on the show so i think the key thing is talking about the non-penalty goals for me ivan tony scored 20 odd goals last season Six of those are penalties, of course, and I prefer to look at those stats in a non-penalty analysis because penalties are penalties. You know, you, you take them, you score them, great, you can score penalties, but they're not the measure of a striker. They're a measure of any player's ability to score penalties, and we don't really get too many of those anyway. And when you look at the amount of non-penalty goals um, per 90 um, that he's got from last season, when you look at the um, that he's had, he had 0.42. Uh, that was his non-penalty goals in the league per 90. Uh, sorry, per start. So every time he started. And Ketia's this season, 0.44. Slightly better. And I think this is where the crux of the argument begins. Is, is Tony enough of an upgrade on what we've got to be worth the investment? Let's bring in our first call to the conversation uh, from SF Gunas. How you doing, mate? You good? You well? Just take yourself off mute and I'll be able to, uh, I'll be able to hear you. Because otherwise, I'm not going to be able to hear what you're saying. There we go. <laughs> How you doing? Yes, great, man. So, uh, I read your article. I think it was great. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually from Florida too. I'm, I'm a big fan. So, I uh, appreciate you getting me on. 
I think the I think the article was really good. Um, where I disagree is, I first don't think that we need a world class elite striker to win the league. I think okay. we need somebody that will score goals, will add goals. But um, for instance, I'll preface uh, City in 2021. I think it was when they won the league. I don't think they had a 20 goal scorer at all. I think it was KDB that was the team goal scorer that year. He had about 15 goals. Mares had some goals. Gundogan played up top for a bit. Odin, I think, is, as well. So I'm of the impression that, you know, if we get like a Victor Ocean, it's really so we can't provide a service for a poacher. It's almost a piece of money. I think Ivan is a guy that can uh, link up very well. Because stylistically, he helps the team more than any I'm just quick because I'm just jumping in because the audio is a little bit because of the wind you're outside. Uh, I don't know if you've got, got earphones or anything like that to plug in. I do, yeah, I do. Plug the earphones in and it'll be much, much better. I'll let you sort that out and then I'll bring you back into the conversation, okay? Um, once we sort once we sort out the audio, we'll be back with that. Um, Raf says, I can jump on, but we'll need the link. You can have the link. The link is in the chat, Raf. You can see it at the top of the chat. Uh, it's right there. You see the little blue tab at the pot of the at the top of the chat? It should come up with the uh, the link. So uh, I'll throw it into the chat box again for you guys. Uh, give me a second. I'll just do that once more. So you guys have got the link. Uh, there you go. Um, and then we'll bring in the uh, we'll bring in our guest back as well. Hopefully, when the audio has been sorted out. Um, going into the chat box just to get some of your comments while we sort this out. Uh, John says some of the stats uh, some of the stats are a bit better than Jesus, but FB Ref comparing Tony with Jesus on a per ninety basis. Uh, Tony passing is only fifty nine point five percent completed, whereas Nketi eighty point four, Jesus eighty point three. There is little doubt that obviously Tony's biggest strength is his goal scoring you know he's finishing his goal scoring what he does inside the 16 yard area that is the biggest strength the biggest plus that you get from Ivan Tony the, the question mark is whether it suits Arsenal and I don't think that it necessarily works in the same way for Arsenal I think a lot of people that are saying that we would be transformed with Tony coming to the side I don't think he starts over Jesus like we can have a conversation about him and where he ranks and you know alongside Nketiah but he doesn't start over Jesus. Like if you look at the number of goals and assists contributed by Jesus per 90, it's significantly better than that than Tony. Um, and I think I actually include that uh, in the article as well, talking about specifically the... Yeah, so if you look at the non-penalty goals and assists per, per 90 last season, Jesus had 0.7 last season. Tony had 0.55. It's also worth remembering that Jesus missed a third of the season because of that injury. And despite missing a third of the season, he still had more assists than Tony, six compared to, to five. So that's also worth bringing into the conversation as well. Chaz says, I'd prefer us to get in two squad players so that we're covered in midfield and the defence. I know people are frustrated with the striker situation, but I don't think we actually need Tony. And I think that that is... Certainly true. Um, I think that not needing Tony and this kind of obsession around the the need to go and get a better striker than Jesus has leads us to think, well, is anyone better than Jesus if we just try and change things? The shiny new toy syndrome that we sometimes get, if that makes sense. Um, we're going to bring our next caller into the conversation. Once we've sorted out SF Gunas, um audio, uh, hopefully what we can do is we can bring in our next caller 
the conversation. If you are down below and waiting, please make sure your camera is facing you. Otherwise, I can't bring you into the conversation. Of course, do leave your names in the description and the private chat as well. While we wait for that, Amira says, stylistically, Tony is more similar to Eddie than Jesus. We all know Arteta doesn't have a plan B, just A1, A2. Eddie's still learning to adapt. Are we expecting Tony to adapt? We have Havertz as well. And I think Havertz is someone that's forgotten in the conversation. Uh, let's bring in James to the conversation. James, how you doing? How you doing, Tom? You're all right? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you, bud. You're, you're joining the, the restless bunch. Whenever they come on the show, it's like, I'm going to start sitting up now. <laughs> it's the same behavior every time I see it. I didn't think I was going to make it on, if I'm honest. That's so. right, mate. That's right. It's, it's a little bit quiet. Imagine being at th you know, 3.30 in the UK. Most people are still probably working, but uh, yeah. I've got a busy evening. But I appreciate you jumping on. What do you want to tell us? Yeah, I was just going to say that, well, I personally probably would like to sign Tony. Yeah, uh, so tell me why. It's not necessarily that I like him so much. It's more that, like, I don't know. I feel like the football we're playing now, the, the style is just all about getting to the final third, dominating possession, and then we just love crossing the ball, whether mm. it's high or low. I just feel like I necessarily I don't want him maybe in the eleven. I just want him in the squad. I want him as an option. I yeah. feel like um he would just suit our system amazingly. Do you think there's a cutoff point in regards to kind of his price that would make it not worth the investment? <sighs> Basically, how high are you willing to go to, to buy him? I mean, I've been suffering a long time, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't really mind with the price. Sixty yeah. is about fair, I'd say. Mm. Um, I've heard we might be able to sneak some sort of loan, possibly. And yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because a, I don't know where that's come from. B, yeah. my understanding is. Arsenal's intention at the moment, like all this deal is, is that it's a loan for, for um, sorry, the, the David Raya situation is that it's a loan for him. And what mm -hmm. I think people forget is David Raya being on loan means we can't bring another Brentford player in on loan. The rules mean you can't have two players on loan from the same club in the Premier uh -huh. League. So that, uh, there is, I think maybe whoever reported that story maybe either forgot that rule existed or is assuming that we're going to make that deal for Raya permanent and then allow us to do the tone deal. But that wouldn't make too much sense because the reason why we brought Raya in on loan with the option was to comply with financial fair play. So, yeah, so it could be like, well, potentially, you know, we might have the money to pay off Raya, but not have the money to buy Tony in January. Potentially, it depends who we sell because really we haven't got anyone to sell. Like, it's uh, and Ketia, I guess, because if we're moving yeah. in a striker, it would be him. Yeah, it is a shame because I do love Eddie. Um, you know, I always love like the real players, you know, who come from the academy or whatnot. Mm. But, you know, the proof's in the pudding, what you said yesterday, off the bench, he doesn't score and he's not going to start. So it's yeah. just, what's the point? You might as well just mm. bring in someone, you know, if, if not Tony, then it has to be someone. It has, it ha we need someone. Mm. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, it's not that I don't want us to sign a striker because I think Eddie's amazing. I think Eddie's a decent centre forward, but I think he's better suited to starting for, ironically, probably a Brentford, you know, you know down, further down the line and starting week in, week out for them. I just don't, I'm not convinced that Tony's the guy. I also think the age profile as well doesn't necessarily suit us, you know, 28. Uh, I'm not sure that's that's a right fit for us. And I think going for a younger striker that's maybe got some of the, the characteristics of Tony, maybe more, and yet has a higher ceiling than what Tony has is probably maybe 
a better investment, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sort of stuck at the minute because it's like we're right at the top of the prem. Mm. What really? do not really knows? <laughs> like it's, it's all, you know, the the younger striker could work out, Tony could work out. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm at that point now where I've had enough of Eddie. He doesn't like playing Reese, which you know mm. is a shame. Very good. So it's like I just want someone who's going to play the same sort of minutes as everyone else, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, you it know? makes sense. Definitely yeah, makes sense. because the rest haven't been like Eddie and Reese aren't his signings, even though he's put them to contracts. You know, the the proofs in the pudding with Reese, like he won't even give him any minutes. It's very frustrating, but it is what it is. When would you play Reese when, like, when he's not? Like, are there any times where you've thought, why is he not bringing him on now? Just, yeah, a lot of times. Like, just, I just, like me, I like a bit of rotation. The thing with starting sack all the time is, like, he's just going to be, like, used to starting too. You've got to keep him a little bit on his toes. Um, mm. And also just rest him too because he's so unbelievably good. And Reese has proven to be, like, in the game against PSV, I know it was next to, like, you know, not much meaning behind it. But him and mm. the other guy, the other winger, Bakioko, were clear yep. players on the pitch. Patesson, yeah. Yeah, they were both, like, clear, just absolutely looking very mm. well. Was it Bakioko? You know, the one Yeah, who... Bakioko for PSV was on one side, Patesson was on the other side, yeah. That Bakioko guy, he was mustard. Um, mm. But you could see that, you know, he's got skills, but Reese is always playing with the fringe players. And it's just like... Yeah. What Give him a chance. Yeah, what do you expect? You know, um, but you know that's just sort of well, my opinion. The irony is when when he came in with the first team was when Saka got injured last season against Nottingham Forest at home. He came in and scored two goals, like you know, and he's not been given a chance really since then to to play. So anyway, I feel like we're going to be going off on a tangent about Nelson, which I wanted to do because I think it's an important point and actually comes quite nicely. Right. But I sort of um, the only sort of reason I, I'm on that is just because I've sort of had enough of Troy out there. Um, not yeah. again too much. Um, but yeah, I've just I like my wingers a bit more, like you know, like Rack. a Martin Saka. Yeah. Go go on, whereas I feel like Trossy's a, a false nine, which also just makes it all a little bit more. No, Mark, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think Trossard's best role is, is centrally. I think that as a left winger, he, he's good maybe coming off the bench in certain situations where like we have got them penned into their own box and you want a bit of technicality on the edge. But like a Villa, when we brought on Martin, when we brought off Martinelli, that game was perfect for a fast winger to run in behind and Trossard's just not that. So, you know. Yeah, he was killing me, sadly. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there in the stadium thinking, my goodness me, that sub has, has really killed things for us. James, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate you jumping on, mate. Cheers, Tom. Catch up soon, bud. Pleasure. Speak soon, bud. Bye. Much appreciate James coming on. Fantastic stuff. Uh, we're going to bring on our next... I'm actually really excited to bring on our next listener because I reckon this guy has been incredibly frustrated with me pronouncing his name wrong over and over again in the chat box, and he's finally going to tell me how I pronounce it. How you doing, mate? You good? You well? I'm good. How are you, Tom? Tell me, how do I pronounce it correctly? It's like uh oh with a D, so da oh. Da oh, okay. That's it. Nice. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, now I know for future. Uh, that's brilliant. Okay, cool. Um, da oh, tell me what your thoughts are on the conversation. I, at this point, am anti Tony. Okay. And I don't know. I've just been like watching how we play with just different center forwards. Um, I just see us thriving when like either Trossard plays up top or Jesus plays up top because they're, they're creators as well as goal scorers. 
And when Eddie plays up there, I feel like we're missing a piece that we don't have when Trussard or Jesus plays up there. And so for the striker that I think that we need to sign, if we want someone who is a goal scorer, I feel like they also have to be a creator as well, which I know is asking a lot. Well, but... we've got one. <laughs> so we, it's clearly possible. And the one thing, though, that with, with Jesus is when he when we give him the ball in the box, I feel like sometimes his, his initial thought isn't always to go for goal. And that's the opposite with Eddie. You see... Anytime Eddie gets the ball, he's like, I'm going to I'm gonna shoot. And sometimes it's when he's not squaring the ball to, to Saka when we could have probably scored a better chance. But he always is looking for goal. And sometimes I feel like we miss that with Jesus. So if we can find a striker in the market, which I don't think we can in January, who can be that creative option like Jesus is, but also has an eye for goal like Eddie, I think that's who we can sign. But I just can't think of one at the moment. That's why I'm anti-Tony. Why do you think there is so many people that are pining? I mean, I've read this here from Hugh. Hugh says Tony is one of the best options for striker and should, we should do everything to go and get him. Would you, how, why do you think there is such kind of a, a pining from so many people to get him? I just think, I think it's because he has that, that eye for goal. He is, the, he on Brentford, now that, I mean, outside of Mbwemu, he's like, he's the goal scorer. He's the guy that yeah. bags goals for them. And I think we, we kind of long for that, especially after seeing Holland score like loads of goals last year. I think like we want that on our team, but I just don't know if we need that. Like Saka's putting up double digit numbers in both goals and assists. Martinelli's putting up 15. Odegaard's putting up 15. And Jesus put up, I think it was like just shy of 10 and he was injured for three months, you know? So yeah, I just don't know if we need that to win the league. I think that we do need a striker that has a better eye for goal. But I don't think they need to be the sole outlet up top. Yeah, I I do tend to agree. I I think there's something a little bit too one dimensional about Tony um, in regards to his style. I know a lot of people say that you know he's got the ability to bring others into play because he's got that he's a bit of a target man and things like that. But as people have pointed out in the chat, I think us signing Kai Havertz has given us a target man option anyway. You know, you think about the goals he scored, the goal he in my opinion, should have been allowed to stand in the, in, if I was to rule football and what a handball is and isn't at Aston Villa, I have a top, popping up in that moment, in that position, cross into the box, scores, his goal against Sevilla, right place, right time from the uh, to receive the ball from Jesus to then hit it past the goalkeeper. And then, of course, the Brentford goal, I think, is the most target man archetypal goal where the ball was played to the back post and he's there to head it in at the back post. So do we need someone like that already if we've got Havertz in the squad? Honestly, I mean, I don't think so. When we have the ball, I mean, all our players are forward except for Saliba, Gabriel, and maybe Ben White. So, I mean, if we play someone at the left eight like Havertz, they're going to be in the box ready to receive a ball. And that's like majority of the time when we do have the ball and when we're in, in scoring positions. So I don't think we need someone. I think that our, our bigger focus is on the wing in the midfield and solidifying our defense with another fullback, maybe a right back or a right-sided center back for Saliba. But I think strikers, like, we're pretty good there. We have Trussard, Jesus, Havertz can play up there. Mm. I mean, Martinelli can probably even play up there. I don't know. I just don't think it's a priority for us. 
No, I, I think that there are other priorities. You know, I think midfield, defence still have got, I think, a really fast winger, as me and James were just talking about a second ago, are absolutely, um, you know, for me, uh, positions that should be up there first. But, Dao, thank you first of all so much for telling me how to pronounce your name correctly. And thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Uh, Massive thank you to Dao. I uh, really appreciate that as well. And uh, let's uh, hope I, we are going to try and get SF Gunas back on the show. He's having some issues trying to sort out the uh, the headphones. Uh, if you are waiting down below, please make sure if you'd like to come on that your camera is on and facing you. Otherwise, I can't bring you into the the phone in show. Uh, so make sure that your camera camera is on. It, you know, it, it, you think it'd be easy. <laughs> Olawale says, uh, I think we need him. If we need goals like 20 minutes to go, we can bring him on. And I think he'll be a better option than Eddie. No disrespect, though, to Eddie. And I think that it's important, that last line. There's often so much talk about these new strikers. Eddie has done a decent job. He's just, for me, when we're looking at what Arsenal need to do to go to the next level, to go to the top, is he really going to be that guy? Um, is he really going to be that next guy? Uh, our next caller is Kasim. Kasim, if you throw your, if you get your camera on, so I can see you, and I can bring you into the uh, the call. Otherwise, I can't. So, uh, <laughs> Kasim's refusing at the moment. It seems to do that. So we'll keep going through some of these comments. Uh, Mister Thuggy says uh, two things can be true at once. Tony is better than Eddie, but it doesn't necessarily mean he is good enough to be where we want to be. And I think someone left a, a reply to one of my tweets earlier on today as well, um, which was something along the lines of. I think that, not that Eddie is statistically showing really good, if you had the option to start one of Eddie or Tony for Arsenal in a Champions League final tomorrow, who would you pick? And I think the answer is Tony. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'd start Eddie over Tony in that final. And then I'm asking myself the question, well, if if the answer is that, well, you know, if the answer is that we're in a position where Eddie's giving us better numbers, and he's giving us, you know, a return from his XG and from his shots on goal that is apparently, according to what we've read and what we are being told and what the data we're being given is, if it's better than what Tony's is, why do I still feel like I want Tony in that situation, in a big game moment, like a Champions League final? And I think the answer actually comes down to experience and the length of time. And we've seen more of Tony from, a, uh, you know, playing in the Premier League, starting for a Premier League side. And I think that we know more about that. Whereas with Eddie... It's different. With Eddie, we've seen him come into some games and do well. We've seen him come into some games and not do so well. I think his goals against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge get overlooked. I think his goals against Manchester United last season have been overlooked as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's really, really difficult. Kasima sadly left us. I was going to bring him onto the call, but it seems that coming onto camera was too much of a problem. Um I did see Raf as well earlier on it waiting to come on and he's disappeared. It seems like everyone's like, I'm not going to get on. You will get on. If you ring into the show, I promise that you will get onto the show if you've got a camera and uh, a quiet place to record and good microphone as well. Um, because people, I often, people message me saying, Tom, I was waiting. I jumped in, but then you picked another caller. So I left and I was like, well, you're probably next in line. So if you jump in and just a little bit patient, you will get into the call if you just need to go to the link that is in the chat box and you can get on the show. I am very well aware that doing this at 4 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon is not prime time uh, to get people <laughs> into the show. So I'm very well aware of that. But it was the only time I could do this. So I was just trying to get as much in and much covered as we could. Uh, Nai says here, and signing Tony in January will sort out cover for Saka as well. Jesus can play on the right to a very good standard. Again, I don't know how we're going to sign Ivan Tony in January. 
I don't know where the idea of spending 80 million quid on a striker because I think it's going to take that amount of money. We're looking at figures being talked about up to 80 million pounds to bring in Ivan Tony. I don't know how Arsenal are going to sign Ivan Tony for 80 million pounds in January. I really, really don't have it. Raf says he's going to be with us in 10. Raf, I will hold you to that, my friend. Uh, Paul says uh, Tony's off field antics are also something that should be factoring into our thinking as well. This, so the betting thing doesn't come into my way of thinking about this at all. He served his ban. He will be back in January. I don't even think about that when it comes to the decision to or to not buy Tony. The thing that does come into my thinking was obviously some of the videos that we've seen of him being quite disrespectful towards Brentford. I'm not a big fan of that. However, when I talk about Tony, and I want to make this very clear, whenever I analyse Tony or I look at him as a footballer and I talk about him in the case of whether or not we should sign him, for me, it does not factor into this conversation and I'm purely looking at it from the footballing standpoint. Uh, let's bring in Hugh to the conversation. How you doing, Hugh? You good, Joel? Uh, thanks for being here. Can you hear me well? I, have my I can hear time. you perfectly fine. It's always the best thing when someone calls in. I can hear them clearly and crisply. So thank you for that. That wasn't a dig at any of our previous callers, by the way. It's just it's when you're on the podcast, you're like, audio is like, I can hear Danny from a Burkett Wonderland screaming at times when the audio is not great. Um, but Hugh, yeah. tell me, because I know you've left a comment and I appreciate you jumping on as well. Um, yeah. you, you said that you really want Tony. So tell me tell me your reasons why you disagree with, with what I've been going on about. Well, for me, Tony is... I'm thinking for me, like, strikers available. And mm. obviously, I would say Osman, I would say Rafael Leal, you know, as a winger, out of the mm. option. And Tony, it's like the three main strikers I'm looking at as something that can really bring us to another situation. And I don't really see us getting Osman or Leal, especially with that, those kind of price tags. So Tony, to me, is an option that can, you know, force us to be better while not really replacing Jesus. And for mm. me, even getting Tony, I'm not against getting another striker on top of that. So for me, Tony's up to be all end all of all the players we can get. It's more just right now, we need another option. I personally mm. am not a big fan of Eddie Aketia. I think he has done well for us at the time, mm. but I would sincerely go all out for Tony, even more than a midfielder. Even though I feel like we kind of do both, is that Tony to me brings us up that level or closer to the level of Man City than the midfielder does. Mm. You know, it's does he start over Jesus for you then? Um, see, that's the thing. I'm not 100% sure if he does. I think it's more of like, sure. do you know what I'm saying? Because if, like, if we, I absolutely agree with you, by the way, when you say about getting close to Man City, that is what Arsenal need to do. Arsenal need to make signings yeah. so in the best way possible they can get close to Man City. If we're signing someone and they're not better than the starting option, how does that get us closer to Man City? Uh, that's a good point. I feel like he is similar level to Jesus, but it's not clear to actually better. So yeah. I, in that option, it would be more of like horses for courses, where certain games Jesus is better, certain games that oh. a um, I feel like bigger games where we're playing against like a, a Man City, we would play a Tony because we're gonna have less possession, so you hold the ball up more. While when we play against you no know, low blocks, uh, Jesus is great to drop in deeper. So that's why I'm kind of leaning towards. And for me, it's less of an issue that I don't think Jesus is a guy and more of an issue that I don't think Eddie Kentia is a guy. I think Tony mm. is a replacement for Eddie Kentia and as a similar striker that's on this similar level. So we're not like a huge drop-off because in certain areas, like with Saka, we're not a huge kind of, – it's not a drop-off in a way. Whereas mm. 
with a left wing position with Charles or Martinelli. I feel like either one could start, and I'm kind of fine. I don't feel the same way with Jesus and Eddie Aketia. It's interesting the whole Aketia Tony thing, and like the reason why I'm like not as keen on Tony as I am others is because of the numbers. You know that that I see mm. when I do the research on it, and I know you said that you're saying you're not Aketia's biggest fan, which is fine, and that you. Tony takes us further. Did you, have you, I don't know if you've had a chance to read the article or whatever, anything like that. It's fine if you haven't, because I can read you the stats. But have you been surprised that Nketiah beats Tony in a lot of these areas? Yeah, I I would really assume that. For me, I, I do see the improvement in Eddie Nketiah. Like, I know like when he would try to get his contract, that's when I was very much against him playing. I did not see the striker. I, see. I, I definitely feel like now he's way more approved. He's better fishing in the box. He definitely suits our system better than when he was before. I also think that improvement over time has really closed the gap between him and Jesus. I feel like he's gotten better himself, but his improvement still is a farther reach. But I do feel like yeah. his stats do show that he's a more clinical striker than Jesus. And when given opportunities, he can score crucial goals. It's just gonna- that... He's a start more. Just, to just quickly, that. Hugh, I'm only stopping you because there's some breaking news. I'm really uh-huh. sorry to be rude. But there's some breaking news, which is very interesting indeed. Let me read this to you. So mm-hmm. an independent regulatory commission has found the charge against Mikel Arteta for an alleged breach of FA rule E3.1 to be not proven. The manager was charged following various comments in the media interviews after Arsenal's Premier League game against Newcastle on Saturday, the 4th of November. It was alleged that his comments constituted misconduct in that they were insulting towards match officials and or detrimental to the game and or brought the game into disrepute. The regulatory commission came to its decision following a hearing and the full written reasons for this can be found below, which we will uh, be having a look into. Hugh, you're with us live to discuss this. Arteta not charged in the end. So all of us thinking, how... Many games is he going to miss? He's not yeah, been exactly. So what do you think about that? Um, shocked. To be honest, definitely shocked. No. I'm not shocked at what Arteta said. I, I do agree it's at times that we tend to focus too much on the referees, but that decision was pretty egregious. But I would assume that they would have made an example of him. Obviously, like being like in America, there's like athlete uh, Draymond Green that done like a lot of like egregious things and a lot of American sports, they make an example of players or coaches that cross the line. So I felt like the FA would have done similar thing to Arteta, also being a marriage of a top club. So the fact that they didn't charge him is pretty surprising. But yeah, I'm kind of shocked. I thought he would at least got um, Liverpool banned for me personally. Mm. It's really interesting. I'm just, while you're talking, trying to scan through the the article that they've left out. So Introduction and background. It says the match was obviously Arsenal against Newcastle. Um, going into the match, Arsenal was undefeated in the Premier League and was sitting second in the league, two points behind the then leaders Spurs. Newcastle was sitting in sixth. Newcastle had developed a reputation for being a difficult away fixture for clubs visiting St. James's Park. Mikel Arteta expected the match to be a close and hard-fought contest. Uh, Arteta's expectations proved to be well-founded. The first half of the match was scoreless and featured a number of strong challenges two of which the Premier League's independent assessment panel subsequently concluded ought to have been punished with red cards. That was the Havertz challenge, and that was Bruno Guimaraes' um, 
forearm smash, I think it was. I think that they were the two, unless I'm getting that wrong. I think they were the two that was discussed. Um, the second of those challenges which occurred shortly before halftime was by an Arsenal player on a Newcastle player. That was the Havertz one, which prompted mm-hmm. a fierce reaction from a number of Newcastle players, three of whom were shown yellow cards by the match referee, and heightened the tension and hostility towards Arsenal as the visiting team in the stadium. In the 63rd minute, Newcastle scored what proved to be the only and so decisive goal of the match. Before the goal was confirmed by the video assistant referee, um, reviewed three individual incidents which had occurred in the build-up to the goal. First, whether the goal had been allowed to go out of play. Second, whether Newcastle's cross had fouled uh, Gabriel. That was Joel Linton and the push that we all know was definitely a push. Um, And the third, whether the goal scorer had been offside, Gordon, in that incident. The VAR review took more than four minutes. Mikel Arteta was, by his own admission, highly emotional about the goal being awarded. He considered that there had been at least two infringements in the run-up to the goal, the first and the second one. He believed that the VAR had been wrong not to overturn the relevant on-field decisions and the VAR had thus been wrong to allow the goal to stand. He also considered that the lengthy delay in conducting a VAR review was unacceptable. Arteta remained in that emotional state following the match. Indeed, his frustration at Arsenal having lost the match and having lost in what he considered to be a highly controversial circumstances was heightened when immediately following the match. Review of the video footage reinforced his belief that the goal should have not been allowed to stand in light of either the both or the first and second incidents and he was told by certain Arsenal players that Willock, a former Arsenal player, had expressed the view that the ball had gone out of play before he crossed into the penalty. Yeah, that's very interesting. So Joe Willock actually apparently said that he felt to other Arsenal players that the ball had gone out of play. Very interesting indeed. Hugh, you're going to have to listen to me talk a little bit more. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> those matters increase what Mikel Arteta described as his sense of injustice and frustration that the goal had been allowed to stand. The on-field decisions and the VAR decisions in relation to each incident were subsequently reviewed by the Premier League's IAP. Um, that's the, uh, the the people that basically said that there should have been red cards, etc., etc. Um they said uh, the on-field decision in respect to the first incident had been correct so that the the blade decided that they, there wasn't enough evidence to suggest it had gone out of play. Um, the on-field decision in respect to the second incident had also been correct, and that was obviously the foul, and that they said that the third incident had been correct in the sense that there wasn't enough evidence to suggest that Gordon was offside. Mikel Arteta's opinions about the instance and whether the goal should have been disallowed, while plainly genuine and strongly held, were thus not ones in which the Premier League's IAP agreed. So it seems just from reading this and there is a lot more but I'm not going to bore you you can go and read it on the FA's website if you would like to Um, but there was frustration from Arteta there was the context of the game and they have seemingly felt that the charge has not been they basically found him not guilty of it because of the context surrounding the game Hugh I want to before you go just give me some of your thoughts listening back to all of that a lot of words there but what you think about it um, well, it's great to see that they kind of corrected their own mistake after the fact, which is okay. But for me, it just shows a level of I hope this is great and all now saying that they made a mistake and that they're not going to charge them for it. They won't really mean much if this continues more often than not. And so, when we go to a place like Liverpool and similar things happen, or we play home games and similar things happen, it to me it just kind of covering our own ass essentially where there's final ways to be like we we messed up basically and we're not gonna punish you for our own mess up our own mistake but we also like really really gonna change too much what we're doing weekly our refereeing it's just more of we won't get scrutinized or we won't try to punish you for something that we did on our own so it's great that they acknowledge their mistake 
But if it's continuing, it's kind of like saying sorry and then continuing to do the same thing all over again. How sorry can you actually be? Mm. Hugh, thank you for jumping on with me. First of all, for um, basically what we're going to do is in the summer, when we're waiting for some transfer news, you're going to come in on a phoning show and we will have announced that we've signed another striker because clearly you're a bearer of good news. So, uh, Hey, hopefully, hopefully. I, I always want is just another great player coming in Arsenal and I've been a fan since like 2013, so it's 10 years and I'm dying to see us win a trophy, a uh, major one. I've seen FA Cups, but I definitely need that league title. So I can, Hopefully uh, we do, mate. Hugh, really appreciate your time, my friend. No problem. Have a good one, man. Have a good one, mate. See you later. Much appreciate, Hugh. What a nice person for being so patient while I read through that. Just, just to give you another bit of context, actually, from this letter, um, it's this is really interesting. Um, I'm gonna have to do. Obviously, I'll be talking more about this in tomorrow morning's 8 a.m. show because this is a show that is going to be going back to talking about Tony very, very shortly. It's just because this was a very breaking story as we were live. The letter concluded with the following summary. Mikel Arteta was expressing the genuine frustration felt by him and his players following a tense, highly pressurized fixture that contained several contentious decisions. These instances were the latest in a growing number which Mikel Arteta has witnessed in Arsenal's matches and other matches across the Premier League, despite the efforts by him and other parties to help raise the standards of officiating. Indeed, it is Mikel Arteta's understanding that the Premier League's key match instant panel has, cl- has concluded that certain decisions in the match were serious errors. With time to step back following the match, Mikel Arteta has spoken rationally and reasonably about the comments and fully explained the context in which these should have been considered, as well as underlining his respects for the match officials and for the FA and his desire to follow the applicable rules. Mikel Arteta has also emphasised his ongoing commitment to the improvement of standards with the aim of ensuring that any similar incidents are dealt with as efficiently and accurately as possible. Last bit, and then uh, I'm going to bring in Gene to the conversation, I promise. Um, Let's just go to this, this comment here. At the hearing before... But at the hearing before us, Mikel Arteta made it clear that he was not suggesting that when he used the word disgrace in the interviews, he had, in fact, been intending to use the word disgrazia, uh, or at least to use a word which carried with it the connotations of misfortune, tragedy or bad luck, rather than connotations of abuse or insult. He explained that he intended to use the English word with his knowledge of the English meaning of that word. And secondly, that any suggestion to the contrary in the letter was the result of miscommunication between him and Arsenal when the letter had been prepared. We accepted that explanation. There was no repetition of that suggestion in his witness statement or in the response of the case summary. And Mikel Arteta was clear in his oral evidence about any erroneous impression given by that paragraph in the letter. Very interesting indeed. I quite like that. <laughs> talking about the language and the choice of a Spanish word, I assume. Um, very, very interesting. We'll talk more about the Mikel Arteta charge in tomorrow morning show. We are going to bring the conversation now back to Ivan Tony with our next caller. Again, I'm hoping I'm doing the uh, pronunciation correctly. Uh, Jean, how you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm well, thanks. How, how you doing? Have I pronounced that right or have I made myself look like a right mug? Um, well, it's supposed to be like Jean, but it doesn't really matter. Jean, don't, people... for, don't apologize for my mistake. It was me. So, Jean, I'm so sorry about that. Um, tell me what your thoughts are on Tony, mate. Well, I mean, I've been, I think I've been vocal personally against, against signing someone like Tony, but if, if I, I believe, um, for the exact same reasons you don't want him, I, I actually think he's a viable option. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that he's better than Eden Ketia, um, but not going to surpass Jesus. I think Mikel Arteta seems to constantly try to put players together or have players of the same level in the same position. I think the goalkeeper situation is a clear example of that. I think going after Mudrik while we have Martinelli is a good example of that. 
um, recruiting someone like Declan Rice, okay, sure, he does go to another level, but you can't argue that Thomas Partey is still a good player in that position. Um, right back with Tommy Asu at Ben White, we've got the same sort of thing. And I think when we, you look at those those positions in our team, it's except for the goalkeeping situation, it's, it's quite stable to have players like that. And then players that will understand that they would need to sit on the bench for, for periods of time as well. And like someone in the comment section said, Jesus can always move over to the right wing, which does provide some sort of cover for Saka, which we can't, we, we just aren't, we don't seem able to be able to provide at the moment. And we can't mm. find it on the market either. Yeah. What do you make of the the comparison statistically with Nketiah and with it being quite similar, if not slightly in Nketiah's favour? And, and why doesn't that put you off the idea of investing a very big amount of money into a player that isn't very much clear of, of him numerically, at least? Yeah, I don't think we... I don't think we um, want to go after... I, I don't think that's what Mikhail wants, really. Um, mm. Players with prolific goal-scoring... Um, numbers. I don't think that Jesus is that. I don't think his his striker targets have been that. Maybe Vlahovic for for um, a period of time, but also if he would have tried to um, change him into more of a deep line playmaker, anyways, the same way that Jesus is doing. And I think Ivan Tony would bring a very similar type of playing style to that. I think Enkete will always be your more prolific striker, um, but yeah. I just don't think. I just don't. Yeah, I just don't think that's what. Arteta wants, unless you're the most prolific striker, unless you're yeah. a Haaland, um, prolific alone is not worth it. You need to contribute more to the rest of the team. What would be the maximum kind of price tag that you'd be willing to pay to get him? Well, I looked at I looked at what was being touted, and I don't think I've previously I've said I've said we shouldn't go above fifty. Um, so I'm going to mm. sound like a hypocrite to people that know me, but like no. I think I'd go 80. I'd go 80. Uh, um, I'd go all the okay. way to 80 for Everton if he really does bring to the team what I think he could, and which is continued competition, being able to to alter formations and bring stability when Asus inevitably gets injured during the season. Mm. Look, I, I haven't got an argument against that at all. You know, if, if the argument is that you want to bring in a striker for the reasons that are that he's not necessarily prolific and you get that and that you want to bring him on because you think you're adding a, a striker of quality that's bringing in a certain level of goals and you're willing to spend 8 million. I don't have an argument against that. We just have a different point of view on that. We just disagree in the sense that he's the guy to go for. Does the age not worry you? The, the, being like 28, that's a lot of money to pay for somebody who's you're not going to get that money back, basically. Yeah, there's no resale value. Um that's definitely a concern. Um, mm. the, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But to be honest, if our signings don't work out, we, we, we lose that money anyways. Right? Pepe should have had some resale value to us, but he just didn't get it to us. Ozil should have been able to get at something. But when when sales, uh, um, signings don't work out, they just seem to be in the end. So I think we shouldn't try to negotiate signings with that value. We should look at younger players not for the resale value but the fact that we can increase the the um, value towards our team by much more than we bought them for the cheaper usually for sure uh gene thank you so uh, jean sorry thank you so much uh for your time really appreciate it cool thank you very much it's been a pleasure absolutely so this is the type of conversation i like obviously there's a clear um point of difference uh, me and jean don't agree on on the idea of, of tony 
But I can't disagree with his reasons for wanting Tony. If the reason for wanting Tony is that you appreciate him for the striker that he is, if you're willing to go to £80 million to bring him in, um, and that you think that when Jesus isn't available, he brings in competent competition. I've got too much against that. In my mind, the only the issue that I do have, obviously, is where I disagree and what I would argue the other direction is that, and as uh, Jean, of course, admitted himself, is that at 28, that's a lot of money to invest, £80 million in a 28-year-old. And again, I would point to the numbers and say, is it really worth going to £80 million when Nketiah is bringing as many goals when you look at the you know, the the XG and his finishing and situations like that. I've also noticed that some people often use the the argument of, well, he's playing at Brentford now. So if he was to move to Arsenal, surely we'd see more. We'd see him score more goals. And I, to a degree, I get that. I get the idea of that. But it's also worth me- And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Remembering that Arsenal play against teams that play differently when they play against Arsenal compared to when they play against Brentford. When teams play against Brentford, they're not going into those games with low blocks. So Tony's got more space to work in. He's got more chances to operate. And when, you know, Arsenal play, they tend to go against more teams that do play with those low blocks. So would he be able to cope with that change of environment? It's an entire change of environment, not just a change of system. Uh, let's bring uh, Raf into the conversation. It's been a little while since he's been on the channel. Always a pleasure to speak with you, my friend. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Very good. Yeah, I know you've read my article because you laughed hysterically at it in our WhatsApp group. So uh, <laughs> tell me your thoughts. I wasn't... Do you know what? Funny enough, I actually didn't read I haven't read it yet, but I laughed because I so didn't know. Like, you know honestly, what it was? that tweet I, I put out, I'd say 95% of the people that have left a comment or quote tweet to that that article haven't even read the article. No, <laughs> I'm going to read it, but the reason why I laughed was because I just thought, I just know, I kind of know what you, I was like, I, I had an idea of what you were going to say. Like, obviously, yeah. we've, we've spoken about it before and I've listened to a lot of, the, obviously, I listen almost all the time. So I kind of know your thoughts on it. So when I saw it, it just made me laugh. But yeah, I'm going to read it for sure. Um, Where are you then with Tony? So, like, what, so where's your head? So, so I'm a bit mixed. So I'm not, I'm not as adamant that he's not right as you are. But I understand. I'm not like he's the answer. I think so. The pro, the, the I would say the cons. There's obvious cons. He's twenty. He's twenty-seven, twenty-eight. That kind of age bracket. There's definitely no resale value, really. Um, he's, you know, he's not, he's not played Premier League football for that long. He's not like a statesman that's been in the Premier League for ten no, years. Like and, two seasons, and isn't it? Two seasons, pretty much. And obviously, it's been hampered. I know. 
<laughs> I know one of the bugbears for you was also some of the antics. And that you yeah. also got a player. I'm, I'm looking at more from a footballing point of view. To no, no, yeah, but I think yeah. you've, you've everything's got to be added. Like you know, sure. I, I don't even put as much in his ban, which is you know you, you've got to factor it in. But I would factor more in the fact that he's not going to be coming in with complete match practice. So buying him in January, he hasn't played for months, so we don't know what Tony we're even going to get. We may not get the same Tony that left. We just don't know that yet. And also. You look at the whole, yeah, Brentford's all right. You know, the couple of comments in that sense. And if he's not playing or he's not starting, how's he going to react? I'm just talking about the cons in, in that sense. So all of those things, like the, we've we've done well to co- cultivate a good dynamic in the club, like from the players, like even with the Ramsdale situation, apart from, from his dad, you're not really hearing like a lot of like disgruntled players coming out, criticising the manager or anything like that. It, it overall looks like a good, cohesive atmosphere and mm. someone like that potentially could upset the apple car and and i just think in terms of even just ability wise you there's an argument there's an argument he's not the stylistically the striker that has got the best out of the way we play like jesus at the moment for all of his faults when jesus plays we look a lot more likely to score even in the mm. villa in the villa game the Lons, uh, you look at PSV, you look at some of the games that, that Jesus has played, I would say that Saka's continued to create. Martinelli's look more likely to create chances. Erdegaard's potentially improved. Havertz has definitely improved since Jesus has played. So who's to say that we actually don't need a striker that emulates some of the characteristics that Jesus has rather than a, a different type of striker, which Tony is? And um, there's just, and again, obviously, you know, he's got a lot of penalties. His non-penalty goals isn't like through the roof. So I'm not, I, I would say they're the cons. I would say the pros are he's Prem ready. Um, he he would look at Arsenal as definite as a definite step up. He's a, he's an upgrade on Eddie, in my opinion, just in terms of his gameplay, his hold-up play, the way that he brings players into play, his strength, the ability to head um, to head the ball. In low blocks, we've seen that Havertz has had joy um when we've played against low blocks, hitting a, the far post or getting onto crosses. So that could be um, a, a positive. And also just the fact that, you know, a different option up front is is a good thing for us. I think that we could have someone that is more clinical than Eddie. Because for all Eddie's, you know, he, he comes across as a poacher and he has, he has got some decent finishes. He has mm. also had some glaring misses at, at key moments as well. And also shown that his hold-up play in some of the key games and some of the key moments hasn't been enough to to bring people into play and allow us to play the football that we play when Jesus is playing. So I think this argument's almost is 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 mixed for me in the sense is is Tony the right one or is Eddie kind of the wrong one? Is he wrong enough that we go for someone like Tony and just take the gamble? Or do is Eddie good enough that we wait to find someone that maybe ticks more of our boxes? Um so it, that's why I say I've got mixed feeling. Um, I think the price is important for me. I think if we can structure a deal, like obviously they was talking about a 50, 50 million loan, like a loan with 50 million obligation. I can't really see that happening personally, mm. just because of the market in the Premier League. He's a proven goal scorer. So I, I don't see why they would let him go for 50 million personally. He's not, from what I understand, I don't think he's got, like he's not got a year left or anything on his contract. So um I think he's got two or three years, or maybe two and a half from now. So mm. I don't, I don't see, I don't see why they would do that. If I'm honest, so 
I think then you're looking into the 60, the 70s, maybe even an 80 mil, if, especially if there's um, competition. I, w- I wouldn't buy him for 80 mil personally. No way. Just because no. of the, the money, the money, the price, the expectation. I just, I just personally wouldn't do it. But if you can get a good deal, anything 60 below that is, and maybe you can structure it right. Maybe you can add Eddie in the deal to make it less. Then I, I wouldn't be against it. I think someone raised a, a decent point, a good point. We don't necessarily need to have someone that's better than Jesus. What I think Liverpool and City have done have they have six competent attacking options. I think that now we can all probably agree that the drop-off, I'd say we've got four, and I would say the drop-off at the moment with Eddie and Reese from Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, Trossard consistently is probably just a little bit shy of what we need if we're going to continually compete at the top and win these trophies. I think we need to upgrade those two positions, personally. I think a winger is just important as a, as, a, as a forward, if I'm on it, as a striker. It's more important. Yeah, like, me too. I, I think uh, a, like, a, a, I like a Martinelli a fast, mark yeah. is 100%. so needed. Yeah, and I feel, yeah. No, go on. No, I was going to say, and I feel for Reese in the sense that I feel like he hasn't really been given he's just not, as much opportunity, but I, I he's just, just he's like he's a level. where he's just yeah. never going to be that guy. He's what we need, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like, if that's the case, Let's just get players that are going to be good enough. Let's get a, a Pedro Neto, a Bakayoko, a, a, a someone that he's Bakayoko good. is now like, everyone's like, oh. No, you know, you know so... what? I'll be, I'll be so honest. And I probably said it in the group chat as well. When he played against, I've been watching PSV a little bit uh, from the summer and he played against yeah. Rangers, I think, in the and he they were unreal. Him and Noah Lang. And I was thinking even the PSG game, uh, PSV game would be harder than it was in, in, um, at the Emirates because he was so good, and I just think he's a he's a very good player. But there's there's others that we could get. I think it's more about we need a we need another winger with pace because Trossard isn't re- he's kind of a ten masquerading as a winger just based on like positionally he can do so many things. But we lose pace when Martinelli doesn't play. So I think we need another winger that gives us that basically. So um, and I just think Reese, unfortunately, we can get some money back for him now because he's not on a free. We've signed yep. him to a decent contract. But we need to probably move on from recent Eddie, mm. if I'm honest, to get to where we want to get to. If we can get 50 million for both of them, I think yeah. we've done really well. I yeah, think we've done really, really well. I think um, we can. And, you know, it's it might not be impossible to see that. You know, I think it might be closer to 40 for the pair of them rather than 50. But if you can get 50, that'd be amazing. You know, Eddie and Ketty is an England international now. He started loads of games for Arsenal. He scored in the Champions League. You know, the, <laughs> He's on a long contract. He's 24. Any team coming in should be looking to pay upwards of 25 million pounds easily, in my opinion, for Inketia now. Nelson, yeah. I think we should be looking expecting more than 15 million pounds um, if you want to buy him. So maybe 20, closer to 20 million pounds. You know, I think when people look at the Jordan Ibes of this world and say, like, you know, he costs yeah. 60 million or whatever, like, but, and I don't usually buy into that argument all that much. But in the case of Nelson, I do think that, you know, you're looking at someone that, that you should be looking to try and get that around that. So, yeah, 40 to 50 million pounds for, yeah. for those two would be great. I think, I think, I think what, you got, what you got to look at as well is I think perception is quite important. And I think Arsenal starting to change the perception of, for one, their young players and for two, just the quality of Arsenal in general, whereas... So now I don't think players are going to be leaving Arsenal all the time. And it's just like, oh, we just need to get rid of them because nobody wants them. 
I think you're looking at two young English players who will probably attract like decent interest. Um, I think Eddie, you could easily look at Eddie and say you could potentially get a 30, 30 million for Eddie, 35, if, if the perception's right. He's played enough games now. He's mm. scored enough goals in the Premier League to say that he could score at this level. And if we're not like in a rush to sell him, then then you might be able to kind of get a decent deal. You, you look at Palace, Fulham. You look at like Brentford. I think yeah. I think one of those clubs could be could be in for him. And then Reese yeah. is similar. Like you get 15, 20 million, I think you take it. The thing and is, like that allows us to get more. If if Brentford lose Tony to say a Chelsea or or someone like that, you know, and they, they want to buy say Arsenal, I'm not going. I can't say. <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if they if if they lose him, I think I I've said this before. I think Nketiah scores fourteen non penalty goals for Brentford in a season in a Premier League season. Yeah. I really think he could because he's the centre of that team. He starts every single game. He gets chances in that Brentford team. He's not going up against low blocks like he is for Arsenal week in week out when we play. I think he can score plenty of goals for Brentford. So yeah, you know, yeah. already on seven. You know, yeah, and you, yeah. And you look at like Wiesa, like he's. I mean, he, he's got he's good got three attributes. Goals, but he's not, yeah. He's not a great. He's not a great player. So if you put Eddie in that him. position, yeah, right. if you put Eddie in that position, he'd be all right. I think that's another thing that you could say with Tony, though. Like, if you put if you put Tony in in Arsenal's team with the quality around, if he does get opportunities, I would say he's probably more likely to finish than he would at Brentford. He'd probably like to get more chances at Arsenal than mm. Brentford. You got to factor that in as well. If Eddie played a thirty-eight game season for Arsenal, started every game, how many Premier League goals do you think he'd score? He's got five. Uh, 30, so yeah, he, he I started think nine score, games. I, I think he'd score about. I think he'd score about seventeen, eighteen, personally, because I Premier, think Premier, I like, seventeen, eighteen Premier League goals for Arsenal. I think. I think. Games. I think if he if he scored if he played thirty eight games every game, started every game, I think he scored about seventeen goals. The issue that Eddie would have, or the issue that we would have, is I think the team as a whole would suffer. Like, yeah, I don't so think I don't, Martinelli and Odegaard they won't, they won't score. And I, and I think that's the I think that's the main for me, mm. that's my main problem with Eddie. I don't feel that Eddie allows some of the other players to be better. I feel like Martinelli yeah. struggles when Eddie plays, and I think that's one of the main reasons that's contributed to Martinelli's goal return and goal assist return in uh, this season. I think that we haven't had that many games. If you think about the games Jesus has actually played through the middle, it hasn't been that much. I think it's been about yeah, it's probably been about five, like in in the Premier League. Mm. If that, I think he's played. Yeah, it hasn't been that much anyway, and I think that's contributed. And I think Saka's going to do it anyway. Erdegaard similar. I think all of these players feed off of a striker that actually gets involved in play. So mm. when Trossard plays through the middle, obviously when Jesus plays through the middle, you see an improvement in the way that all of them play because it's not as static. Eddie's very selfish, even like. He'll turn and shoot at any moment, which is which yeah, is a striker. Yeah. I get it, but yeah, they'll struggle from that. So, so he may score seventeen, but I think the others will struggle. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I, I think I'd, I'd probably say for betting around probably 15, 16 goals, you know, in a Premier League season. But if I asked you how many you think Tony would score, how many do you think Tony would score for us, Premier League? For us? Bear in mind, he got fourteen last season for uh, non-penalty goals. By the way, so it doesn't include penalties. I, I think he'd. I think he'd get. I think he'd get over twenty. You think he'd get more than twenty Premier League goals? If he play, if he played thirty eight games, because I think he'd take he'd take yeah. penalties as well. Um, I think. He'd so get with penalties more than twenty. With penalties more than twenty. Without, without penalties between, I think it would be between 
I'd say between 18 and 22, but I think that the team would still be able to play, will be able to feed off him better. So I mm. think that Saka, Martinelli um, and Erdegaard would still potentially be able to put up more numbers. Because I think mm. overall he's a better player. I think his hold-up play is better. I think he's good. At, he's, he's a good passer, but better passer than you, you would think, kind of looking at him. Sure. And um, I think the team in general can feed off of him because he's a presence. So that's mm. where I think the improvement is between him and Eddie. I think the the big question is, do we wait and get another player who gives us more of everything and is still like a kind of an upgrading quality? I think there's there's other strikers potentially that you maybe less and give you similar output as Tony, or maybe as much but a better players if that makes sense. So yeah. it's just it just really depends on who we can who we can get. You look at some of the, there's there's quite a few we were talking about it the other day. There's you know you look at the Appenda, Wahi. Uh, Garisa, um, Jimenez. There's a lot of like young kind of up and coming striker, bunny face that's starting to come up at the moment that could give you a, a different, like a, a whole different element up front. You know, Letaro is probably gone now, but look at it. Like a year ago, everyone was saying that he could get him, but after the World Cup, it was like, mm, does he look that good? If you look at him now for Inter, he can't stop scoring. So, you know, th- there'll always be kind of other options potentially. It's just that I don't think. Tony is necessarily a bad option. It's just, you know, for what it'd cost, I just don't think he'd be worth the, the investment. Yeah, and I, yeah. yeah, and I get that. I, I, I do, I do get that as well. I think, I think the cost for me is the big thing. It's just, mm. can we get him at a subsidized cost? Yeah. Can we add Eddie into the cost that makes it yeah. not as much? It's all those things. If you told me it was thirty to forty million pounds, and Eddie and Ketia, I'd be yeah, more I'd open to it. Yeah, I'd be more open. I'd be more open to it. Yeah. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say like categorically no, because as yeah. you say, like because then you're not necessarily because obviously there's no guarantee you're going to get a buyer for Inketia at that fee anyway. Yeah. We struggled to get what people wanted for Balogun. You know, we got 30, 35 million euros plus mm. add-ons or whatever it was. You know, for yeah. for him. And I don't want to go down that because I know me and you went back and forth all summer about that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, yeah. I was going to uh, say, yeah, can of worms there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But, but yeah, I think I, I think the, the sure. difference with Balogun and Eddie, though, would be that I think Eddie's done a lot more in the Prem. Like, and he's the eyes are a bit more on Eddie in terms of what he's done in the Prem, England international. So I actually think that it might be easier to get a decent fee for Eddie than it would be for Balogun, even though Balogun done well. Because he was in France, mm. I think that's. I think that helps. But go on, sir. I can't. No, no, no. Um, I just, yeah, I just think that again, the the price tag is the biggest thing for me, and the yeah. idea also that there could be young strikers out there that could grow into a, a much better player than Tony for what I think he he'd give us. Um, so yeah, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. But Raf, it's been a pleasure to chat to you, mate. As always is. Always. Thanks, mate. Don't I'll worry, catch you soon. Too, Good luck see with the daddy later. duties. See you later. See you in a bit. Bye. <laughs> no worries. Uh, massive appreciate that for Raf for coming on. Um, I'm hoping uh, that we can get Rob into the conversation, although we're going to check the audio issues. Rob, how you doing? Kia ora. Um, yeah, I'm having a bit of an issue with the audio. It's looping. But I it's not looping on my end, but is it? Okay, so cool. It must be looping on your end. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's looping on mine. I'll try and uh, filter out. Okay. Tell me what you're thinking with Tony, mate. Yeah, so I just find it bizarre with Tony 
that we're talking about, you know, potentially 80 million with um, similar stats to Enketia. Mm. Um, and yet, you know, you're talking about maybe in 25 to 30 mil for Enketia. And yet he's younger. You know, like it seems, mm. I mean, I'm in the market, football is crazy anyway, right? Um, you know, the amounts of money that have been back around when the kind of cost of living we've got to kind of park that right that's just the reality of what the market is but i find it completely bizarre but we look first of all i think buying a 28 year old is um is not a great idea you know mm. we're already dealing with um fair play um and you know you've spoken many times about how trying to get a, a striker or pay you know 50 million plus in january for any player is um you know unrealistic um so yeah the concept of trying to somehow scrape together the money by potentially selling enketia or um reese nelson maybe Ramsdale to try and sort of stump up this money and potentially three players to stump up the money, you know, young players that have got mm. or should have amazing market value. And that's the other thing, right? Like Arsenal don't seem to be able to sell players at decent value um, compared to other clubs. You know, as I already said, Nketiah for 30, whereas Ivan Tony potentially 80. I, I don't know. It just seems messed up. I, I don't. I don't think it makes any sense to try and fork out all this money, potentially sell three of our good players um, for someone that's got stats that is similar to uh, what we've already got. It doesn't make sense to me. No, I think you're absolutely spot on to ask the question about the money. The money is the biggest thing, as I was saying to Raf. You know, the, the biggest blockade for me is the idea of forking out that much money for a player who, in my opinion, doesn't start for Arsenal. Um, in our best team, Tony isn't isn't in it for me. So to 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 fork out 80 million is is a lot. Why do you think I'll ask the question because you're clearly on the same side of this as me. Why do you think that other people are very, very keen on on Tony? Desperation. Really? I think it's it is obvious that we need well I don't know about obvious, but I think that Arsenal supporters have been crying out for a, um, you know, a 20-plus scorer for seasons already. And, you know, I think when we look at, I mean, I know he's an anomaly, but like when we look at Haaland and what he's managed to do for Man City, who are already inside, mm. um, I think it makes sense that, Arsenal supporters want you know, someone to knock in 20 plus goals a season. But I also think, you know, I mean, I think this season's different. Last season, I think we lost it with our defence, not necessarily our striking. Um, but I think this season, you know, obviously the, the quality of the defence, how tight we are at the back, how we're controlling games. Arteta's done a masterful job at kind of getting hold of what that issue was last season. 
Um, and this season, we're just, well, we weren't last season either, but we're not clinical in front of goal. So I think it's obvious why Arsenal supporters are desperate for a 20-plus striker. But, you know, with desperation comes unrealistic, uh, you know, goal. Well, maybe not unrealistic goals, but like unrealistic um, expectations of what we might be willing to pay for that. So again, it comes back to this. I just don't think Tony is anything near that kind of value. Like if we if we could get a striker for a thirty million, who we thought could bring us those ten goals in the second half of the season to get it, you know, to get us over the line, sure, no problem. Mm. But paying twice, three times as much as that then give us the FFP issues, you know, for a goal scorer that's got similar, as we've already said, in the stats to NK, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and, and maybe just before you kick me off, I've been yeah. I'll kick you off. It's 5 30 <laughs> in the morning here in New Zealand, so I know I don't have a key option, but I'm a 40 year Arsenal fan. I grew up, um, was from London and Tyree when I was kind of quite young. But yeah, it's beautiful times at the moment. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, just um, just get into the the breaking news that you talked about. Um, mm. a- absolutely flabbergasted. That well, he's been cleared. Slightly, slightly <laughs> yeah. heartened that um, that the independent review body has um, has not has not charged him. Like it's. I, I thought it was an absolute definite he was going to yeah, get so it. Yeah, I was very honest with him as well. I was certainly Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I find it quite heartening, but I also find it completely bizarre yeah. how how they've worded it. You know, yeah. They've basically kind of given him a let off because of the circumstances. Yeah. Um, and because of the language as well, which is really strange um, as well. But yeah, I, as I say, I'm going to talk about that at, at great length tomorrow on the 8am show. So I'm sure we'll be uh, on that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I was sure he was going to get charged. I, I'm also very happy that they that he hasn't because I was worried that the incident in Turkey, as we talked about this morning with uh, Peter Walton's comments, that that was going to get conflated and they were going to throw the book at Arteta a bit to make a bit of a statement and I'm glad that that's not happened and so you've got to hold your hands up and say fair play you know to the FA at least for for not doing that but Rob it's been an absolute pleasure to put a face to the name first of all and to have you on the show really appreciate it nice one yeah thank you for the great thanks mate very kind stay well speak to you soon much appreciate Rob for coming on. Fantastic. Rob's one of our long-term listeners of the chat, always popping up in our chat box and, and putting in some very good comments. So it's always nice to, to get a debut on, on our phone-ins. Let's bring in our next caller to the show. We've got uh, Oleg Benga joining us now. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yes, Tom. How are you? Very good. Did I pronounce that correctly? I'm, I'm yes. learning name pronunciations today. Tell me if I've messed that one up. Yes, you did. You got it right. Perfect. Tell me where your head's at with Ivan Tony. You've been listening to some of our callers speak about their various views on him. Where are you sitting with this one? Yeah, I actually think the idea of Tony is is going to be something that's worthwhile for Arsenal. Mm. Uh, one thing I'd like the listeners to know is that you can't really always go by the price that you hear in the media. For sure. me, 80 mil would be too much for Tony. But we need to remember the deal with Raya. Initially, we were hearing Raya, you know, going to go for 40-something million. 
You understand what I'm saying? At the end mm. of the day, Arsenal got him for 27. And we even we got, got him on loan. Come again? <laughs> we got him on loan, yeah. It's yeah, with the we, option. We, yeah. we got him on loan with the option. So I want to believe that us signing Tony, there is no way Edu or Ateta will pay 80 million for Tony. I don't see that happening. It's got to be something worthwhile before mm. they, you know, you know what I'm saying, before they buy him. And then I hear people say, okay, Tony does not suit our style. He's not the kind of profile we want. What we need right now is a different profile of striker. Mm -hmm. We have Jesus, we have Trossard, whose style are similar, right? Sure. We need someone that will get at the end of these crosses. And that's what we don't have right now. What do you think about Havertz being that guy? Well, Havertz is that guy, not entirely for me. You understand? Mm. Um, you know, Harvard has been impressing me lately, and I'm so happy that, you know, he's kind of becoming the player that we all thought we were signing when he first came to Arsenal. But looking for an out-and-out -out striker who would finish your chances. Everybody said we don't finish our dinner, right? That's what we need, and that's what Tony is going to give us. Harvard, sometimes, we've seen him miss chances against Manchester City in the uh, Community Shield. Two clear chances, he missed them. I don't think Tony missed those chances. If we have Tony at the end of those balls, one of them will be at the back of the net. I sure. want to believe. You but know. he has a and lower shot per, uh, goal per shot percentage than Nketiah. Well, we cannot compare what you what you're getting from Tony at Brentford with what mm. you're gonna get from Tony at Arsenal. You understand? So how do I, we how do we make a dis? Because you're you're not the only person who says that, and you okay. know a lot of people say. You know, you can't judge a player based on where they are because they could do something differently. But but if we're applying that, how do you judge any player? Do you know what I mean? Because it's kind of a bit... Like, if I can't judge a player based on what they're doing here and apply that yes. to Arsenal, how can I make a judgment about any player and then how they might go on at Arsenal? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand what you mean. The way I would judge it is that look at the style that Brentford plays, right? They are not an all out and out attacking team like Arsenal, right? And for me, if Tony can still put up decent numbers at Brentford, mm. right, he will put up better numbers at Arsenal, where the style is all out, you know, attack. You understand what I'm saying? Imagine what Bukayo Saka and Martinelli, you know, will do if they have Tony in front of them to feed. Imagine what Tony will be getting from Odegaard. You understand? Imagine mm. if Thomas Partey comes in with those you know, near accurate long balls and the kind of balls that Raya puts up from the box, from the 18-yard box. These are, these are, you know, the dimension of the game that you don't too much see when you watch Brentford. And that's what Tony will have to feed on when it comes to Arsenal. Definitely his numbers will go up. And the guy has premiership experience. Whether we like it or not, People view Arsenal better than we view ourselves. They see us as a, as a threat right now. We are in the Champions League. We are beating teams. We are second from uh, in the in the EPL, despite all these you know ref decisions that's been going against us. They see us as a threat. So if we get that striker that will finish our dinner, like everybody says, I mean, you know, imagine where we're gonna be. I think it's a fair argument when people say about it. The only counter I usually bring up is that you're right to say that um, when they're playing in an, in an Arsenal team that's more attacking with more talent surrounding them as well than they have at Brentford. What I would say is obviously the, the games that Arsenal play 
are different to the games that Brentford play. And what I mean by that is that when a team plays Brentford, they're not going to sit back in a low block. When they play against Arsenal, they do sit back. A lot of teams, not all of them, but some of them do sit back in a low block. So is there an argument there that maybe the the argument that he has better players and he's in a better team is somewhat cancelled out by the fact that he's not given as much space when he's playing for Brentford? I don't think so. It's not not cancelled out. And the reason why I said that is that we have players who can open up the defence, right? Look at the way we play. Our wingers are pretty much almost, you know, hugging the touchline. People don't realise it, but when you're playing a team with low blocks and you have wingers who are spread wide, number one, you can't leave them with the ball and not go to tackle them, right? Mm. And the moment someone goes to tackle them, what are you doing? You are leaving a gap. You Mm. know what I'm saying? So, Tony, I mean, training with the team, knowing the dynamics of play, he will figure out where he's going to get his meal at. You know what I'm saying? When he sees the movement of the other players, he's going to figure it out. Even though we play low-block teams, right, people have to realize we still create a lot of chances against these low-block teams. We just don't finish them off. Mm. We do. We create a lot of chances. Look look at uh, the last game we played against uh this Luton town yeah oh Luton sure yeah. big tall defenders we scored four goals against Luton how many goals did Manchester score against them two, two. how many mm. goals did Liverpool score one one yeah we create chances against this team we just don't finish our dinner and mm. that's what Tony is gonna bring to us Fair enough. You've got more faith than I do. I need to see a little bit more from Tony, but I respect it. Oleg Benninger, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Tom. I have to tell you, I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. I wake up three in the morning to watch your show every day, Tom. Why? Keep up the good work. You're mad. You're mad, I mate. I do. I really like your show. Thanks, man. That's really good. Cool. Yeah. Just know that you can watch it on Catch Up. So I know that you love being in the chat box, but just, yeah, yeah. just get some the, sleep, man. It's, yeah, the, it's live, the, the live experience is better. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Right, nice to you. Yeah. Bye bye. Uh, brilliant. Love it. Um, let's bring our next call. We've got Marcus and then we've got SF coming back as well. Uh, Marcus, how you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, I'm good, Tom. How are you? Not bad. Where are you joining me from, mate? I'm in London, not too far. I could I could sense the accent. So, yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> Listen, I have to, uh, you I have to, to agree with the last caller, Tom. Mm. I think he's spot on. But what I want to know from you is what do you need to see from Tony to change your mind? Because I tune into your lives and yeah, I know people say you've got an agenda and I don't think it's that, but you are slightly negative against Tony as opposed to anyone else that we're rumoured with. So what do you want to see from him? I think I want to see him be more ruthless, actually, than he is. And I want to see that reflected in the numbers so that when I've got like, and when I'm looking through the numbers that I get, on offer that it's not even debatable if you know what Before i mean like you continue at... though you Sorry? would you would admit that we are arsenal are more ruthless than brentford i would but i do think there's a good argument suggests that we have we play different games to what brentford play so when brentford play tony's got a lot more space to operate in he's got a lot more uh, the ability to counter because they're not going up against low blocks anywhere near as much as we do. So mm-hmm. when he comes to Arsenal, it's a different game that he's technically playing. So do you think he, he he lacks the ability to adapt and be flexible to what we to how we I play? Don't know. 
that's the thing is there's a lot of unknowns, isn't there? Because it's not me saying he doesn't have that. It's that I've not seen enough to tell me that, that he has that. And also, secondly, what I would say is that the, the other reasons, it's not more so about him as a footballer as much as it is the actual wider profile. So 28 years of age, the price that's involved in this deal, when there's arguably options that we could get for maybe slightly less or the same amount of money that are going to be a better... But it's unproven talent in the Premier League, isn't it? He's only had one good season in the Premier League, though. I would say he's had two. Well, how many goals did he score in the first one? I don't. I didn't come with stats, so, so I'll he, had, my he had seven non-penalty goals in his first Premier League season. Which but is... Brentford's first Premier League season, so they, they don't good. have the the creative. They were good. They were. They, good, were, well, they, they, they showed were us how good, good they were on the first day. I, I remember. Yeah. So but this is what I'm saying. Like the, the whole Premier League proven thing. I do think it gets thrown around. Just if you've played in the Premier League, you're Premier League proven. And I just think that he's had one good, really good season which was last season where he got 14 non-penalty goals, six penalties on top of that as well. And the season before that, it, was, it, was, it wasn't as convincing as I, I think maybe to me, think. Tony passes the eye test. And us sure. as Arsenal fans, we know... You know how I feel something. about that, though. <laughs> well, we need something that's different, right? We play with a lot of short guys, good on the ball. I know you said we've got Kai Havertz, but yeah. we know Kai Havertz. We've seen Kai Havertz for a few years now. Okay, so I just think there's no harm... As long as mm. you don't break the bank, keep it around the 60, 70 million mark. Yeah. There's no harm in bringing Tony and having that option. I I, I completely think that's fair. I, the 70 million is a lot, though. For a 28 not, in this, year old. not in this day, day. It's not when everyone costs 100 million. Mi- right. But it is in the context if it stops us from doing other business, though. So if we in the context of winning the league? Well, I'd argue that. I'd rather go into... So this season and last season, last season, the biggest reason why we didn't win the league was what, would you Saliba. say? Saliba. Saliba's injury, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, okay. This season, I think one of the biggest threats to us not winning the league this season is either not having enough, in in my opinion, the wide areas, because I think centre-forward-wise, we've got Jesus, we've got Trossard, Havertz can play there as well. We don't we've have Trossard. A... Trossard is not a centre-forward. I think can't he is say more we than have a wide Trossard. player, right? Not when we... We have the option to buy a centre-forward and you want to sort of adapt a wide player into a centre-forward. And we've tried that with Trossard. We've tried that with Martinelli and it's not worked. Not how we want it to work. So I feel like we do need an out-and-out striker. Just a bit soft. Go on. Well, we want results, right? We saw it. It it didn't bring the results. Trossard's record when he starts a centre-forward, we win nearly all of those games. Do you remember when he was playing that centre-forward role and we won every game? We took him out and then we lost. We didn't win three in a row. And then we put him back in and we won again. Do you remember that? I can't recall that. You'd have to... At the end of last season, when Nketiah was playing when Jesus was out with his knee injury. um, Was it a knee injury for Jesus? I think it might have been. Yeah, it was. The the World Cup injury. Nketiah started those games. Trossard came in. We won, we won, we won, we won, we won. Jesus came back in the game against Fulham. But that was with Eddie um, leading the line, mainly. In Jesus' sure. absence after the World Cup. Mm. I rate Trossard. I rate Trossard on the left as a backup to Martinelli or a replacement at times. But not down in the middle. I just don't think that's the answer for us. Neither is Kai Havertz in the middle. I think Kai Havertz offers us the something different, though, that fans are calling for. And I don't think it's worth spending £70 million on Tony to have something different when we've already got that in, in Havertz, personally. But no matter which way we go... Mm. We are going to have to get a striker, whether it's January or in the summer, and it's going to cost us a minimum yeah. of 70 million. 
Sure, but I'd, if we're gonna do, if we're gonna spend seventy million on a striker, I'd rather or, or more than that, I'd rather spend that money on someone where it's not even a debate about who starts. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd, if we spend a huge amount of money, I don't want to be sitting and going, "Well, does he start over Jesus this week?" I want to be going, "He starts." But it's he an starts. option. It's an option, and Jesus, we know, is not always available. Sure. So sometimes it won't be an option, and it will be a guarantee. And right now, our guarantee is Eddie and Ketia or Trossard. Mm. And that's mm. not going to win us what we want. Well, we agreed that last season, the biggest reason why we didn't win things was because Saliba's injury. The biggest reason, uh, not, the, not the only reason. It was the biggest reason, but it wasn't okay. the only reason. Do you think if Saliba stayed fit, we win the league? We would have stood a better chance. Do you think we would have won it? Likely. I'm going to push you. <laughs> likely, likely. So, and that means that there is a scenario where we're likely to win the league with Jesus and Ketir and Trossard. That was last season. This is, a, this is another season. We've got Liverpool this season. Yeah. You know, there's other competitors that weren't competing mm. last season. So it's a different story. We can't yeah. say, oh, you know, last season, if we did this, it's, it's, it's a different story. I don't think I don't think a strike will happen in January for the record. Like I, I I can't I don't think a Arsenal have the the financial capacity to go out and spend that amount of money in January on that position. I think if we sign a striker, it'll be next summer. And I think that, in all honesty, I think there is a big threat again of the the lack of numbers that we've got in defence. You know, Tommy Asu now out, Timbers out yeah, for the long term. We're really yeah. we're really weak there. I think we need to make sure we bring another defender in, and I think we need another centre midfielder, like a box to box centre midfielder. I think we. Need. And I'm not I'm not going to yeah. argue that. I agree. Yeah. But I think, I think we, we need share a striker as well. Right, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, I think you and you align on a lot of things. It's just, for me, the Tony thing is, again, I'll, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself, but like, if I spend that amount of money, I want guarantees that that guy is going to come in and be our starter. And I just don't think he starts over Jesus for me, you know. But who does? Well, I, this, that's the fair question. And I think you, if you can't find somebody that you see as an immediate starter over Jesus, then the next best thing is to sign a younger player who you think has the ceiling that goes above that and that can also yeah, produce... We could have spoken now. about keeping Balogun and people like that. Yeah, Jesus, about can start. Jesus can fill in for Saka. He can, he's shown, he's proven he can play in other areas on the pitch. Sure. So by buying a striker doesn't necessarily say Jesus doesn't get a starting berth. Yeah, I understand that. But what I'm saying is that if you can't buy a striker that is categorically better than Jesus now, then go out and sign a player that can produce both now and reach an even higher level than Tony. That's what I'm saying. So, like, yeah. you've got Boniface in, in Leverkusen scoring loads of goals, like hats full of goals. You've got uh, Jimenez in, in final scoring a ridiculous number of goals It doesn't there. always translate to the Premier League, and we've seen that. That's why having getting someone that's... And I say it again, Premier League proven. Yeah. I know he's 28, but it brings maturity <laughs> to the team. He knows what he's doing. It could just be hit the ground running. Yeah. And that's I just think me and you have got different views of what Premier League proven. I, for me, he's he's not Premier League proven enough to say, because it's because you have to transition to Arsenal as well. It's not just, you know, staying in the same league doesn't necessarily mean you're going to succeed. That's We've right, seen that yeah. with loads of players. But... Like you look at uh, Lukaku going from Everton to to Manchester United. You, totally. know, you just have to sometimes have faith that it will work out. It's not a guarantee, never. Yeah, and trust me, if Tony signs, I'm the first one on the team saying I'm hoping he proves me wrong. You know, that's the thing. I'm not going to be sitting here saying I'm not going to celebrate when he scores. I'm not going to. No, you're guy. you're not that character. So that's uh, no. That's I want else. the guy to succeed. I want him to prove me wrong. Um, yeah. and it's, you know, it's not even a case of proving me wrong. I've said time and time again, I think Tony's a good striker. 
Support I think Jesus I is think bordering on a world class in the I think you've kind of put your <laughs> your I name on the line there. Yeah. I think I have, but because I because I'm not in the category of like it, like it being just a no brainer to sign him. I think that naturally makes people think that I don't want him over like loads of players. When it's not true, like the I realistically in terms of players that are in their prime, Tony is amongst those that are you know, in, in the upper levels, you know, as I said, it's a debate about who starts between him and Jesus if he, if he comes in, which means you must be signing a bloody good striker because Jesus is a bloody good striker. He's so a good a player. Starts, he's sorry? not a top, he's a good player. He's not a top striker. And that's what we need. It depends on your definition, I guess. Like Finishes. for Arteta, he's a top striker because he does the role of what he wants from his striker. Do you know what I mean? For me, it's finishing. And that's just the, yeah. where Jesus lacks it. We, that's what we want to see more you know, more clinical mm. finishing in front of goal. And Jesus just doesn't, have, just doesn't have that. He's a great player, one of my favourite, but he's just not a great finisher. Last season, when Tony got his goals, he had, he averaged, I think it was 0.55 non-penalty goals and assists per game. Pretty so good. you're looking at a goal or an assist every other game. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Jesus was 0.7. He couldn't finish. He couldn't convert those. But he gives you more goals. He gives the team more goals. No, he, he gives them more expected goals because he's a better footballer. But he yeah. can't convert them. And that's my that's my argument. He's finishing. Not I his expected he, finishing. I think he gets treated too harshly with his finishing. Because it's not a case of he can't convert them. Because he does. He scores plenty of goals. He doesn't score as many as we would like. But he scores plenty, so he can. He's got the he's got the capabilities of scoring fantastic. You think about the goal he scored at Leicester last, against Leicester last season. You think about the goal that he scored in PSV earlier this season. He's a great yeah. player. He's one of my yeah. favourite. Like, I'll say it again. Yeah. I had nothing against Jesus in in this debate, but we need more options, and he brings Tony brings something different. Fair enough. I, I completely respect that, Marcus. You know, I, cool. I can't disagree with you. I think he I think he does bring something different. It's just my question mark about whether or not it's it's worth it, or if there is a better option. And I just think there might be better options. But I completely if respect better, that. Then, then that's great. But as of now, mm. I think seventy million is worth it. Fair enough, Marcus. I think we can leave as friends. I appreciate you, your time. Time has been great debate. Absolutely, really appreciate your time, mate. I'll speak to you yeah. soon. Fantastic stuff. They're the types of calls that I really live for, you know, where you can have a genuine debate, a genuine discussion with two people of two different points of views and uh, and and it, it goes through. You don't even have to agree at the end and you can still leave us friends. Fantastic. Thank you, Marcus, again for coming on. And thank you to, to all of our callers um, for coming on. Um, it is an absolute pleasure to be able to do this show and to be able to be joined by so many different and open-minded people um, that have their different views that we discuss. Um, and I hope I put it across in the right way and I hope I host it in the right way. I'm going to edit out that first minute and a half where my voice turned into a Dalek. Um, so just be prepared for that to disappear. Um, but other than that, it's great. Absolute pleasure to speak to all of our listeners today. I'm going to end the show there. Uh, thank you to everyone that's tuned in and watched and will be watching and listening on playback as well. Your time is very much appreciated. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll be back tomorrow morning where, of course, I'll be talking a lot more about Mikel Arteta's avoidance of an FA charge. Breaking news throughout this show. We didn't get to touch upon it as much as I would have liked to because uh, I wanted to stick to the topic of Tony. But uh, yeah, huge news today. The FA have decided that Arteta's charge was not proven, um, that the alleged breach was not proven. And so he will indeed 
very much not be um, facing any kind of ban um, off the back of that. So very, very, very interesting indeed. Thanks, guys, for listening. Really appreciate your time. Drop a like, subscribe, and uh, yeah. I will speak to you tomorrow morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. Or in the case of our fantastic uh, listeners earlier, Oleg Binger, uh, 3 a.m. <laughs> if you're based in Atlanta. I uh, really appreciate your time, guys. See you soon. Have a fantastic evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you happen to be in the world. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.